0: Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, A.S. Ibrahim, on understanding Islam and reaching Muslims with the gospel.
1: Befriend the person and love to get to know the person. Ask about their family, their siblings, why they came to America. Are they enjoying the life here? What is good? What is not super good for them? Just sincere conversation. But then I encourage everyone also to begin a conversation around religion. What? You're asking us to talk about religion. We don't talk about these things in America. But Muslims do. Muslims love to talk about religion.
0: A.S. Ibrahim, next. Islamic studies professor Dr. A.S. Ibrahim has two major goals with his new book, Reaching Your Muslim Neighbor with the Gospel, first, to help believers understand Islam, and second, to give practical ways to connect with Muslims and effectively communicate the gospel. That's the focus of today's discussion. Dr. Ibrahim, tell us how the Lord led you into this area of teaching Islamic studies and communicating the gospel to Muslims.
1: As concise as I can, I was born and raised in Egypt, and Egypt is a majority Muslim-majority Muslim country. And I was never Muslim. I was born in a nominal Christian family where uh, we just went, went to church every week, nothing really about following Christ. And when I was nine years, nine and a half, I heard the gospel and I committed my life to Christ in an evangelical church. But I grew up and all those around me were Muslim. My classmates, my my neighbors, my even when I began my engineering job, I was with co-workers, Muslim co-workers, all this is to say I was by default, interacting with Muslims and that's how I ended up learning about Islam, learning about how Muslims practice their faith. And then when I came to study theology in America, I began teaching, seminars on Middle Eastern culture, on Muslims, on Islam, and then I began getting uh, invitations, hey, how about you do a PhD so that you can be able to teach more, and this is how I end up learning and getting my PhD and and so forth, but long story can be summarized in, I grew up in a Muslim-majority country surrounded by Muslims, loving them and interacting with them and learning about their faith, that's why I end up being here.
0: And Dr. Ibrahim, then, can you give us an idea, and I realize this is just a general idea, but uh, about the numbers of Muslims in the world and maybe in the U.S., and then how that compares to Christianity?
1: I think there is uh, various numbers about Muslims. Sometimes you hear 1.5 billion Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you hear 1.8, and the Christians, that includes nominal and also confessing Christians, about 2.3. But these numbers are really fluctuating, and I think uh, I would say, like the Arab world, where it's the heartland of Islam, there are like 400 million People over there, including some Christians, of course, because the Arab world does have countries that recognize Christianity. So, I, I always don't like speaking precisely about numbers, but that's the general numbers mm-hmm. we keep hearing, you know? So.
0: And, and as I understand it, uh, you, you say it's very important in, in a conversation like this that we differentiate between
1: Muslims and Islam. Absolutely. I always say this because confusing these two will be really inaccurate, especially for Christians who want to follow Christ. Let me explain briefly. Islam is a set of rules. It's an ideology. It's a religion that has a list of teachings and claims and assertions. So this ideology, this religion should be evaluated, critiqued. Sometimes I don't like this aspect of the religion. That's very fine with a religion. Muslims, on the other hand, are people. They are loved by God. They are my neighbors. I am called to love them, even those who persecute me, even those who are not kind to me. They are people. These are created on the image of God. Mm -hmm. So, if I confuse Islam with Muslims, then I might end up beginning to dislike Muslims, don't like what they say about the religion, although I am supposed to love them and be the image of, like, reflecting the image of Christ for them. On the other hand, too, there is a big challenge. If you begin treating Islam as an ideology, with only loving the ideology and being so cool with the ideology. and Well, that's a sympathetic approach that is very naive, and even Muslims don't accept this about other religions. All this is to say we need to distinguish Islam and Muslims, love Muslims as Christ called us to do, Islam, as a set of rules, teachings, should be evaluated, critiqued, and even you can be open about, oh, that's okay, this is actually not okay, and that's very fine, you know?
0: Well, I'd like to ask you uh, for just a few minutes here, uh, and I realize we could talk uh, for hours about this, but about these 10 things you should know about Islam, and and they they, they kind of give us an understanding... Uh, on a number of different levels about the religion of Islam. Uh, first, you say that it means submission or surrender.
1: Yeah. Well, I say this because many people are confused because in Western societies, especially with left leaning uh, media outlets, the tendency is to make everything look good and you try your very best not to be offensive to anyone and except Christianity sometimes. <laughs> right. People come just again but the point is well I don't wanna be, I don't wanna sound critical and all these but that really is empty talk because basically you need to have opinions and opinions built on rigorous thinking. Now, Islam in the West is portrayed as the most peaceful religion. Well, even Muslims won't accept that. Muslims in general, when you ask them in the heartland of Islam, is Islam about peace and love? They would say, no, it's about justice. Mm. That's what Muslims say about their their faith. So, what are we doing here in the West? Oh, Islam is about peace and Muhammad never attacked anyone. Well, But what about your primary sources? The history of Islam itself portrays a different picture. But in the West, there is a tendency to elevate anything but Christianity, and that is how they are bringing Islam up. And doing so, they needed an Islam, a version of Islam, that appeals to the norms of the West. Mm. What are these norms about? Peace so i heard many times from muslims and non-muslims alike in the west that islam means peace that's wrong and i'm not being like that's actually linguistically wrong islam as a term and muslims for the whole history of islam knew that islam means submission we submit to allah and his rules and follow the president of Muhammad. That's what Islam actually means. has nothing to do with being a peace thing. So that's why I wanted to put this as number one among the, uh, the, the points, you know.
0: And those two foundations of Islam, I, I think you just gave them to us, but if you could isolate them and uh, tell us how important they are.
1: The most important foundations for Islam are two. Allah's words and Allah's Prophet. So in in Islam the deity is named Allah and he sent a word and that's the Qur'an and he sent a messenger or a prophet that's Muhammad. For Muslims Allah's word and Allah's messenger are the most important foundations and that's I will put it here.
0: Okay and how would you contrast or compare Uh, the the Deity, the God of Islam, and the God of the Bible?
1: It's a huge question, it's a long question, but the more honest and particular you are with particularities and specifics of each faith, the more you will realize that you're talking about two different entities. Mm -hmm. You could be speaking about God and God. But what you mean is very different. You could be speaking about Allah and Allah, because, for example, Christians in the Middle East, they use the word Allah to describe the deity. Mm -hmm. Ask them, what do you mean by Allah? Completely different picture than the one provided by Islam. First, think about how Islam is focused on the absolute monotheism, and Christianity is the triune God. Three in one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One being, completely one, not three. One being, but three persons. And we, and that's the revelation of our Lord uh, about himself in the Bible. So all this is to say there is a lot to be said here and there is tons of controvers- controversies. But an honest look would give you a conclusion that, we're talking about different entities. And you write that
0: uh, Islam is more than a religious system. In other words, it's interwoven with all areas of life, or, or supposed
1: absolutely, to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Muslims don't think of Islam as only a religion. It's a cultural identity. That's why you, you find Muslims in Nigeria thinking that they are connected, in some sense, with Muslims in America. It's one ummah. One community of Muhammad, and it's also a nationalistic movement. It's more like a, a driving force that would make. Um, it's like the 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 idea of how all Muslims are connected with this um, nationalism that is centered around the religion. So I always try to help my American friends understand that Islam. In practice, it's not about only a set of religious rules. It's more than that. It goes beyond that. Well, Dr.
0: A.S. Ibrahim is my guest today on His People. He's professor of Islamic studies and the director of the Jenkins Center for the Christian Understanding of Islam at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's also author of a number of books, including Reaching Your Muslim Neighbors with the Gospel. And we're talking about his article, Ten Things You Should Know About Islam. And then I want to move uh, in just a few minutes into uh, communicating the gospel with Muslim people. But you say Islam consists of two major sects or denominations if you will
1: yeah i think it it can be two it can be three you can say three especially with the addition of the Ahmadiyya sect um, a couple of centuries ago but the point is the major two sects denominations in islam are sunni and shia many westerners just tend to buy into the ideas promoted in the media that Ah, there is no difference between Sunni and Shia. It's just some political uh, disagreements. This is completely bizarre, to be honest mm. with you, because Sunni and Shia have been in enmity for over twelve centuries, and the disagreements are not only political but also theological and deeply rooted mm. in each group. So. Sunni and Shia are the two major sects, and then under them, there are many, what I call, visions within Islam. So we hear about Sufi Islam. Well, Sufi is not a sect, like mysticism in Islam is not a sect. You can find a Sufi Sunni or a Sufi Shia. Hmm. The point is, we have two major sects, probably three if you add the recent one but underneath them there is a lot of movements and visions within the same theological sense of islam yeah
0: and it is works based i think mo- most people would understand that but is there anything that yeah, you, if, you yeah
1: yeah if you compare with christianity the biblical christianity when where you're emphasizing the role of the faith the belief in christ and his atonement Islam is not about this. Islam is not. Islam is more focused on. You have duties for the faith. You follow them to seek the approval and the favor of Allah and so forth. And this way, you would maybe find favor at the end, but there is no guarantee. Yeah.
0: In the worldview, the Islamic worldview contains anti-Christian claims and what what would be some of those or a couple
1: well if you just take a look at some of the basics in the quran number one jesus is not god jesus cannot be the son of god jesus is merely a prophet the bible is corrupt and christians are uh, christian and jews are to be fought if you read the of course some progressive muslims would dilute all this while some, uh, like, devoted Muslims to the literal interpretation of the text would take the matter differently. But the point is, any honest reader of Islamic texts would find a lot of polemics against Jews and Christians, and that's that's the fact, yeah.
0: And uh, the next one was a different Jesus, but I think you just explained that. Quite well, yeah. quite quite, quite succinctly, and then no apostasy. Apostasy is is not uh, allowed or yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, if you follow the written text, according to Muhammad's sayings, not according to the Quran. The Quran doesn't mention apostasy in that way, but according to Muhammad trusted uh, uh, sayings, if someone changes his religion must be killed Hmm. that's why in many places under islam many people could have doubts but they would never dare to leave islam why the death sentence and if you apply islamic law all major schools of thinking in islam all of them actually have five. All of them unanimously agree that if you change your religion, your Islamic religion, you must be killed. Of course, today, under a lot of pressure with tolerance and all these ideas, many Muslims in the West try to say, well, these statements were written for the 7th century, not today. And today we have freedom of religion, so anyone can accept any religion they want. Overall, if you look at the text, that's the problem. And that's why many Muslims, when they hear the gospel, they are faced with a very tough decision to make. Because once they abandon Islam, they are rejected by their family, they are this, like excommunicated from the system, and it's a pretty tough decision for them. I cannot make that decision for any Muslim who wants to accept Christ. But the, the Muslim needs to know the risk and need to value the jewel of Christ above anything more. You see my point?
0: Yes. Well, thank yeah. you for that, Dr. Ibrahim, and our uh, our time is going quickly. But I, I would like to ask you then, kind of turning our remaining 10 minutes or 12 minutes or so to communicating Christ with our Muslim neighbor, co-worker, friend, etc. Can you help us understand what you would see as some of the basics in Communicating Christ with a Muslim person? I mean, where would you even begin?
1: I would love always to begin befriending a Muslim, especially if it's neighbor or if it's a co-worker. Don't focus on immediately telling everything you know about Christianity and Christ in the first two minutes. You you can do that. Yep. I would encourage you to be honest from the first minute that you are a follower of Christ. This is amazing. That's important. But befriend the person and 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 love to get to know the person. Ask about their family, their siblings, why they came to America. Are they enjoying the life here? What is good? What is not super good for them? Just sincere conversation. But then I encourage everyone also to begin a conversation around religion. What? You're asking us to talk about religion? We don't talk about these things in America. But Muslims do. Muslims love to talk about religion. Hmm. And if you are, as a Western Westerner, you want to talk immediately about the weather and football and mm-hmm. uh, whatever, mm-hmm. don't go there. Begin talking about sincere devotion to God. What do you know about God? And have you heard about the true Jesus Christ? Can I tell you about the true Jesus Christ? Can I tell you, can I read with you a story from the Bible? Have you heard about the most crowded place ever? What is that? We call heaven. What? How did you do that? So I provide tons of compelling questions in my book on reaching Muslims with the gospel and all comes down to one thing, I want to befriend a Muslim I'm not treating Muslims as projects, they are people that God loves and I want to present the image of Christ to all of them, so questions and then we go to the hard meat of what about the Trinity what about, and all? I answer all this in my book Yeah, and
0: can you talk about the role of intercessory prayer?
1: Yeah, I call this the lost art uh, in my book. I call this because we tend to think a lot about programs and projects and and the best technique to mm-hmm. convince someone of the argument. I, I understand all this, and I, 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 I want to be excellent in the argument I, I propose. But honestly... I can get tons of degrees and eloquence, but I win no one because it's the work of the Holy Spirit and we should all acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. That's why I say that the lost art among the believers is the intercessory prayers because we need to speak with God about Muslims before we speak with Muslims about God. And that's, I tell in my book a lot of stories from my years growing up in Egypt, how we were really focused on intercessory prayers and how we saw God moving in a, in a marvelous way among Muslims. Yeah.
0: And you do point out, and you perhaps you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but when the subjects of either uh, their prophet Muhammad or uh, the Quran come up, you say to tread carefully to be uh, sensitive in how we discuss those things.
1: Well, honestly, because it's very sensitive as a topic. So the topic itself is is like when you talk about Muhammad, this is the most revered person in Islam. So if you tell a Muslim, well, he's a false prophet. Well, I believe that there is no prophet of that sort that ever existed, and we don't need anyone after Christ. And I even think that many Christians throughout history, like from the earliest days of encountering Islam, many Christians have voiced their skepticism about Muhammad. He's a false prophet, and you can read this. Now, if you say this immediately, then there is no conversation with a Muslim. Mm-hmm. It will not continue. Yeah. So I say that this is a very sensitive topic that needs to be treated well. And I provide ideas on how you navigate this question in a very respectful but honest way. Similarly, I speak about how you would speak about the authenticity of the Quran with a Muslim. So these two parts are in one chapter in the book
0: can you give an example uh, of how you you say respectful and honest uh, how you would raise well
1: yeah so for example i would say to a muslim when this muslim presses on to hear what is my view of muhammad i would say well you know what he is your prophet you value him you respect him and because i love you i want to give you The meaning that you want to hear from me because I think you want to hear honest answer from me. If I believe in Muhammad, as you do, don't you think I would have been a a Muslim now? Usually it goes, yeah, Mm. I understand, you know. So it's more like honest, but, but sensitive, but without compromising my belief system. And also I'm trying to put the words to the... That the limit that I need to tell in the context, not because sometimes, for example, I have a Muslim friend here that I have known for seven years. And after a few times that we met, he told me, you know what? I'm not Muslim anymore. I don't believe in Islam anymore, but I cannot really do anything about it. So he's particularly in his heart, like unbeliever in Islam Mm. anymore. He didn't commit to Christ Mm -hmm. yet. But the point is, now when I talk with him, it's even more freely. You can talk about anything, but you see the point? So it all depends on the stage of your friendship with a Muslim, you know?
0: Yes, and and you point out something that I think in the West here we wouldn't think about, and that is to be careful when you're talking to uh, a Muslim person, that you're talking to someone of the same gender?
1: Yes. It is very inappropriate if a man tries to evangelize a woman, a Muslim woman, and it is not really good if a woman, especially if a Western woman is trying to evangelize a Middle Eastern man, a Muslim man. There is a lot of complications here. And I always say, stay away from this because things can get really sketchy, you know, Mm-hmm. Can you talk, touch on a, a, maybe a couple
0: of major misconceptions that many Muslims might have about Christianity?
1: I would say that there are cultural and theological misconceptions. A cultural misconception is that the West is Christian. That's a cultural misconception. Mm-hmm. In which, in the mindset of Muslims, there is no separation between religion. And state. Religion and state go together because Muhammad was a prophet and a statesman. So for Muslims, there is no separation between religion and state. That's why they look at America and they're like, oh, America is Christian, like Saudi Arabia is Muslim. And if America is Christian, then Hollywood is Christianity. Oh my goodness, of course not. Mm-hmm. So that That confuses things. So that's why once you meet a Muslim, I encourage every one of my audience, be honest and say, I am a follower of Christ. I don't mess around. So this is a cultural misconception. One of the other misconceptions that are theological is that you Christians worship three gods. Of course not. But you say the Trinity. Okay, tell me about the Trinity. What do you know about the Trinity? Don't you say that God married Mary and they had Jesus? Of course not, that's a blasphemy. Yeah. So you need to know what kind of where where is this muslim the level of the knowledge in this in the muslim friend. And based on this you can you can develop the uh, conversation, you know. So these are some of course another theological misconception is you Christians corrupted your bible. You don't have the right, and so forth. I talk about all this in my book, you know.
0: Well, the book is Reaching Your Muslim Neighbors with the Gospel, and I know I have to let you go here in a moment, Dr. Ibrahim. I'm wondering, you you say it's important to have, to develop, and you've kind of uh, definitely implied that, or have not said it, but to develop a Christ-like attitude toward Muslim people as you're communicating, as you're talking to them. Uh, Any tips for developing a a Christ-like
1: attitude? don't argue to win Mm. maintain a disposition of you know what i'm a follower of christ i cannot convince people to accept christ or not i am just an ambassador of the gospel i am an instrument in the hands of the holy spirit Mm. so all this is to say just your disposition as a christ follower Calm, listening, asking good questions and leading questions. Every now and then say, you know what? I have an answer to you, but the answer should be read in the Bible. Would you like me to read this? Yeah, yeah, I don't mind. Read it. How about you read it? So you let the Muslim read it and so forth.
0: You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. A.S. Ibrahim, author of Reaching Your Muslim Neighbor with the Gospel. He's professor of Islamic studies at Southern Seminary. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at the same time for another edition of His People.